0: My approach to getting you more sleep is simple, straightforward, but above all, it's got to make sense and feel best for you. Ready to get more sleep? Then let's get started. Hello,
1: and welcome to the Carrot Out Sleep Show. You are listening to your host, Kara Secker, and I hope you are really well. Today, I am going to be to- talking to Zoe Eyre. She is a children's author and respectful parenting advocate, and I cannot wait to dig into this. Hi, Zoe. How are you?
2: Hi, Kerry. Thank you so, so much for having me on. It's great to be here, and I can't wait to chat either.
1: Thank you so much for coming on. I cannot wait. Why don't we start right at the beginning? Who are you, and what are you all about? So, I'm
2: Zoe Eyre. Um, I'm a children's book author of a book called I Will Hel- Always Help You Sleep, and I run the Respectful Mum Instagram account. So, I essentially share a really honest view of motherhood um, and my gentle parenting journey Um, I try and keep it really real on there but also give a lot of um, tips and advice about gentle parenting and respectful parenting
1: yeah absolutely I can't even remember how I came across your account Zoe to be honest one of those things Um, but I was so glad I did because it's amazing I love your honesty I just i really hold honestly very dear to my heart and yeah just really honest really real and most uh above all it's super responsible gentle and i think people really need to see that side of parenting so if you're listening i'll put your instagram handle in the show notes But it is well worth checking out her instagram page it's amazing uh, thank you I, I also massive fan of your book as well talk to us why how did that book how did your book come around um, so it kind of
2: started with me looking for something that I wanted to read. And there's, there's a quote about if there's a book you want to read and it's not out there, then you need to write it. Um, and I was looking for something that just resonated with me as a respectful parenting in terms of my approach to sleep. Um, and I'm on quite a lot of those Facebook groups where it's you know for example biologically normal infant sleep or co sleeping groups and I saw lots of people talking about the same thing and saying what are your favourite books and there just wasn't anything that really ticked those boxes that showed a family being responsive you know you might have books about animals that like cuddle with mummy but there just wasn't anything that showed and represented how my family looked and um, from that kind of approach and so I sort of started diving into it and thought I actually think there's a real niche here that I want to read it so I'm sure other people will too and um, I just thought well why not it's a great a great thing to do and it gave me loads of um, really positive ways to sort of divert my energy and to to really put a lot of effort into so I really enjoyed the process as well.
1: I think that's always really important is enjoying the process it's never about the end goal most of the time it's it's getting to that point isn't it?
2: yeah exactly and then in terms of success you don't worry so much about you know the figures and everything else it's it's a process that you want yes. to do for other reasons as well
1: yeah 100% and I Zoe very very kindly gifted it gifted a copy of the book I will always be honest about that Um, and I absolutely loved it it's one of Betsy's favourite books as well and you as you said I think you every family can see themselves represented in those pages for sure
2: Thank you yeah and I, I really appreciate that I think sometimes I worried that it because it's about our story you can sometimes worry thinking is it too niche but I think you're right that as, as people have read it and so many people have, have come at it from different angles people can see so much in it of themselves and I love hearing the stories about for example older toddlers who are saying to mummy look it's like me I do that too and they're, they're delighted I just think it's yeah it's really heartwarming
1: and just so reassuring for parents because you're completely right respectful parenting or gentle parents responsive parenting have we call it we don't really see that being represented in the media so I think it's so so important and what I like really liked about it is that being a responsive parent or a respectful parent looks different to everybody so there was bits of the book that perhaps I didn't necessarily do but there were bits that I did and I think that's I think that's really important. Really important. Yes. Yeah. I hope so. Definitely. So I've got lots and lots of questions, Zoe, if you don't mind. And shall we start off? Why respectful parenting? How did you get into respectful parenting?
2: I suspect it's a little bit of a chicken and egg scenario. So I'm fairly sure that for me it was quite instinctual whilst I was pregnant and I think as soon as I found out I was pregnant I completely changed and I went from being non-maternal and not wanting particularly that much to um, I think you know prior to a year before we decided to have babies I I wasn't that bothered about having them Um, and I think there's just a shift once you are pregnant that things change a little bit don't they? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I went off looking for books to read and sort of things to enlighten me and and to learn really so I started with the book you wish your parents had read um and that was the one that really sent me on this journey where you just have you read that book
1: yes yeah, yeah.
2: yes yeah that's yes. the one and I think you just go on almost a self-discovery journey don't you where it sheds so much light on your upbringing your past and what what worked what didn't um what you want to do differently how things are now um and it really sent me on a journey of if gentle parenting and wanting to learn more um, and I have one of those personalities where once I start on that sort of journey or I learn something I feel like I have to learn everything there is to know yeah, about it but... um, so off I went trying to you know read all the recommended books at, in the uh, resources list and um, just kind of carried on from that and then I think once Hattie was born again it, it was very instinctive it just felt like the right approach to me so a lot of it has been learning and reading along the way but also just putting into practice what feels right in my heart
1: yeah i love that that book i will put it um by Philippa perry i'll put the for anybody listening i will put the link in the show notes as well i read it quite a while ago i definitely wasn't pregnant i need to read it again i found it was quite a um, a confronting book for sure there were times where i was just like i got angry with it but I actually think that's a good thing if it evokes that emotion in you. But overall it is a great book and it really is a book that I wish every parent could read or at least get a summary from it. Because it, yeah, yeah. And it does it changes everything.
2: Yes, yeah, it really does. I totally agree with me. my husband um read it and he really struggled every single chapter. He was like in fact probably even every page. He felt like he had to go off and do all of this work on himself and it was he really struggled from that point of view actually because it it did open up a lot for him yeah um but I think it is great for that and it it shines a whole different perspective on what you want to do and how you want to parent
1: no definitely and I know everything feel means different things to different parents but what does being respectful mean to you
2: I think Mainly recognising her as an individual, as a human being, as a person herself and treating her with the same level of respect that I would an adult. So a lot of things with children can be, I suppose it's a whole approach of childism, isn't it? And how a lot of parenting approaches treat them very differently as if they're not equal um mm-hmm. and I think that's the biggest one for me is that she's absolutely equal she's a capable individual she needs our help for things and she needs us to be there to guide and, and give boundaries and things but it's about doing that in a respectful way for me and I think that's that's really important I would never I wouldn't want to ever treat her in a way that I wouldn't treat another adult
1: yeah I really really like that and I love what you said before about how it felt right in your heart because I think instincts I'm I think instincts are so important. And back in my journey as a nanny, I was actually trained the complete opposite of respectful parenting. Like I trained in nineteen ninety seven, so a very long time ago, where further and crying out was really, really fashionable, probably at the height of fashion in those times. And In theory, it sounded quite sound approach, but I hadn't worked with children at that point. Then I started working with children and instinctively, I realised that it didn't feel right. It felt the opposite of right. It felt completely wrong to ignore my instincts and ignore them and treat the babies in my care that way. So I took a long time to turn my back on my training and then found that instinctive way with them. So a massive part of why I set up Care Out or Carey Care Parenting, as it was back in the day, was to help parents or support parents to trust their instincts and follow them because they're so important. And if something doesn't, your gut is never wrong. If you get that kind of in your gut that it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't, right? The right thing to yes. do for your family. So yeah. hearing you say that it, you just wanted it to feel right, that is my guidepost. Did you say guidepost that's kind of like my I think guidepost is what I'm trying to say but that is my I'll always come back to that with myself with other parents it's how does it sit with you does it feel right in your gut
2: yes absolutely yeah I think there's a lot of that isn't there in terms of different approaches and yesterday we were chatting on Instagram about routine versus flexible and it's just about what feels right to you and your family isn't it
1: oh 100 percent. why can't we have both why can't we have structure that is flexible yeah yeah Um, it's really tricky Um, ultimately nothing is ever going to be wrong it it is finding what works for you but quite often I'd love to be a part of that chat Zoe that sounds like a good chat (laughs) (laughs) yeah it is just finding I always will be an advocate of treating children respectfully treating ourselves being a respectful parent also means treating ourselves respectfully and with compassion as well parenting is not easy
2: yeah you're absolutely right and I think we are all guilty of being really hard on ourselves aren't we and not not forgiving ourselves and yeah. I've got a great friend who reminds me of that when I say oh I've lost it and I've you know I've, I've say I've shouted at Hattie for example which is rare that I do it but she reminds me and she, she always says that might be one percent of your parenting you know yeah what you are doing is completely different and if you've lost it on one occasion that does not undermine everything else that you're doing.
1: No, we all need a friend like this. she's a good friend to have, Zoe. She's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I have to share around with everyone. <laughs> we are, we are so hard on it. It doesn't matter. I think parenting is a is a real it levels everybody.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, all it really does. At
1: the same place, it doesn't matter how many children, whether you work with children or not, first time, second time, third time, fourth time, each time it's a completely new experience. Bonk yeah. <laughs> So today we really wanted to focus and talk about night weaning respectfully. So, let's talk about how how old was your little one when you night weaned?
2: So we started at about the twenty month mark, maybe twenty one at a push, but somewhere in yeah, somewhere within that month.
1: Okay. And do you what did with re- I mean, you might even still be in the night weaning, but what did respectful night weaning mean to you? And then we'll talk about what it looks like as well.
2: So, again, I I mean, I actually did struggle, I think, emotionally with this for a while because my husband said a few things to me and it, these weren't said in a nasty way. But him genuinely being curious of saying, well, how's that different to, to sleep training, what you're proposing to do in terms of night weaning and stopping it to sleep at night or, or giving it out in the, in the night how's that different and I, I got quite offended by it at the time and I was like it's completely different Um, and I think it's about how you do it isn't it and that you're there responding throughout and yes there might be tears but you are there all the time responding and showing that they're loved and they're cared for and that you are there um, and I think that was the way I wanted to do it was that I would never leave her alone crying in those circumstances it would be I'm there with you
1: yeah just that must have been really hard Zoe to hear that from your I think you said husband yeah yeah really really hard and it's such a weaning is such an emotive subject in fact I have only recently started within the last probably 18 months to two years which I feel is quite recent um actually having oh, like public conversations about night weaning because it always always brings up always so personal and it always brings up massive emotions and mm-hmm. um, my take on night weaning is that there isn't a right or wrong age to do it I would always encourage parents to wait as long as possible I'm always here to normalize infant sleep it's normal to need night feeds, however many any age and night feeds are never a bad habit. They're never wrong. If they're working for you, you don't need to stop. 100%. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And on the other hand, I'm also really pragmatic with it. And that if the night feeds are unsustainable, they're really big, frequent. You want to change them. You know your family best. You know your smalls best. You know your body best and what you want to do. Then you're your smalls expert. Then I'm always here for those changes as well but I'm always honest that there's always going to be tears. I think, yes, we can do it respectfully, but I always want parents to go into night weaning, not because we never know what it's going to look like, but being realistic about it, that we that there's always going to be tears. Was that your um, experience of night weaning? So well, I
2: actually was really pleasantly surprised by how well it went. Um... So I was reading back before before this podcast, actually, on my notes. So I've got a highlight on my Instagram page of what our nightly weaning journey looks like. Um, and you forget, don't you? It's only in the last few months, but you kind of forget how things went. Um, and it was fascinating reading it back even now. So the first night we had about 20 minutes of tears. And it was, it was proper screaming and crying. And she would not let me, you know, when they won't let you touch you, they won't let you cuddle yeah. you. Um, And so I just kind of stayed there throughout. I was really calm. I just sort of kept saying, I love you. I'm here for you. I know you're sad. I know that you're struggling with this and really just being there for her. Um, And after 20 minutes, she just reversed into like this little mini spoon position and just went to sleep in that kind of cuddle. Um, And this hasn't been repeated since, but night two, she went to sleep within three minutes. Yeah. Which was insane. She cried for two minutes snuggled in and was asleep within one yeah. um and that was crazy and she she did very quickly start having longer stretches the bits that we struggled more with i think were the middle of the night wakes because she was tired she's you, nobody's thinking the same way they, whether whether that's the child or you um and the middle of the night ones were a bit more difficult yeah um but again not that long so i think maybe on those first few nights it might have been like five minutes of tears and then back to sleep again yeah
1: um
2: so I think we really had a lot of success very quickly with the getting to sleep and the removing that feed to sleep which is what we chose to do I know a lot of people carry on feeding to sleep and that works for some people we decided not to um but I had a lot of success with that and she just seemed to get that delineation between right, last feeds downstairs. Once we're upstairs and go into bed, then you don't have any more until until the morning. And that just seemed to work for her understanding. Yeah. Um the bit that I have not and still have not been able to master is getting past about if she wakes up any time after four AM, I cannot not feed her because she literally will not be consoled. Um the other night I tried it, I think I went in at four and I was saying, No, not until the morning, not until the sun comes up and she she cried for 45 minutes um yeah. and that felt awful actually I think my brain was doing silly things to me because I was shattered and I was like nope you've told her that you need to carry on you need to stick to it and then after after a while I thought what am I doing just just give her the milk she yeah. she'll go back to sleep and she did um and then actually she was great because she had the feed on both sides and then I've started using a technique of saying that I'll count to 10 um not in that kind of oh you've got 10 seconds left but in a A really nice kind of excited way I send to say to her we've got 10 more seconds and then boobies are going to go away again and and I do a really nice count for it and that seems to work really well yeah um and on that occasion after she'd been crying for it for quite a while gave her that did the 10 seconds and then she was okay and went back to sleep in a cuddle again yeah
0: um
2: but yeah that's the bit we're struggling with is 4 a.m onwards you give her it and otherwise it's yeah game over yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's just the time of the morning that they're, they're starting to wake up. They don't have as much sleep pressure by them, but also she's still too tired to want to wake up. It's a really difficult time, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I'm going to come back and talk to you through that and hopefully give you some like pointers. If you want some, um, mm, you know absolutely. We, are, we can go through that. But I just wanted, there were just a couple of things that you said there um, that I think is really worth unpacking there. So it sounds like working on feeding to sleep feed first sounds like that really worked for you. And again, there's no right or wrong when it comes to weaning. Um, some families do decide to work, keep the breastfeeding at bedtime and then work on the night wake ups and that works for them. Some decide to work on removing the feed first and then working on the night. Again, can't stress this enough. There is no right or wrong way around to do it, but I would generally suggest my general advice would be to work on the feeling sleep at bedtime first, because for some, it's never a guarantee or game changer because nothing ever is and nothing mm-hmm. works for everybody. But for some, working on the bedtime has a massive impact on the night. For some, it can reduce the wake up anyway. And for some, that's, um, it's it, like never easy but it can make the night wake up putting those boundaries in place easier at night time so what I would suggest to families listening if they are looking at starting weaning would be if it makes if you're happy to move away from feeding to feed at bedtime you don't even have to stop it at bedtime it's just about moving the feed slightly earlier in the bedtime routine work on that first and then the night it's very rare that I would suggest working on night and every single wake up to begin with and then if that um doesn't make sense to you keep the feed in at, bed, at bedtime and then work on the night and then in the unlikely event you can't make progress of the night you could always come back and try moving away from the feed at bedtime first and then trying again with the nighttime. and then the middle of the night is always really tricky Um it can get hard but it sounds like your little girl really responded to that she was 20 months did you say yeah,
2: 2021
1: 20, months. Yeah. yeah. So that, that whole explaining to her, I love that. I haven't, like, that's not something I would use having a little countdown. Um, I'm definitely learning today, but that really having that, um, like counting to 10 in a happy, positive way really worked for her because she could understand that in however long you were counting down from the booze was stopping after that. So that sounds like that really worked as well. And then I picked up on that you said that you, um, we're focusing on you being calm and confident. And I think this is so, so important. In fact, I would go as far as to say it is crucial because as we discussed in the beginning, it's really unrealistic to expect to put some boundaries in place at nighttime, especially any boundaries in at nighttime, but especially boobing and breastfeeding boundaries in at nighttime to expect your small to have no <laughs> emotions about it whatsoever. Big boundary they're very small people, they're going to have big emotions about it. And I feel exactly the same way as you do, Zoe, about tears. I'm, I'm quite pragmatic with them that if we are night weaning and making a big boundary, we do need to accept that tears are unavoidable and it's all part of the process. But I do believe that crying in the arms or presence of a responsive, present parent who is working through those tears together with the small. completely different to leaving them to cry solo by themselves I would never ever suggest doing that on my approach ever 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 yeah yeah
2: I completely agree
1: so does it make it easy (laughs) because it's not no
2: no I'm keeping your calm Joey that is hard it's really hard but
1: so um... hard did you find anything in I think it's the reason why it is important to focus on your calm and and be confident is that when you are putting in big boundaries for your toddlers or children, they need to change is strange and doing something different, it can unsettle them, even if you're there with them. So a massive part of the process is helping parents to feel confident that they're doing the, the best or the, the, the thing that's going to work for them, but also they are confident about that and try to stay calm because when your small is upset and you're putting in a boundary, they look to you to how to be about that boundary. And it's so hard not to be calm and confident, but if we are anxious stressed, nervous about that they can see that and then they think well if my parent or caregiver is getting on edge or anxious or upset about this then I need to be that boundary isn't safe to put in place does that make sense
2: yeah so it really does it yeah
1: impact them so being confident and calm it's so hard when you're night leaning but it is so important And. Um, I always talk about um, tears in the role of night weaning, not just in in night weaning, but <clears throat> whenever your small is crying and upset, is that our role isn't to stop or fix the tears, but the- and this is especially true when it does come to night weaning, especially toddlers. Our role is to empathise, acknowledge that that boundary is ha- is hard for them, let them know we've heard that, and then reinforce that boundary, and that's exactly what you did, Zoe, when she was upset. You stayed there, you explained to her that it was hard that you you heard her, and but you still put that boundary in place by being with her and cuddling her, which i I think that is an amazing thing to be able to do for our little ones is to sit with them while they're having those shizzy feelings, yeah, yeah, so is there anything that particularly that you found particularly helped you keep calm and confident in those tricky moments? It's so hard, it's so tricky when there's tears
2: yeah it's difficult to describe as well isn't it I think remaining in my own head was important so almost kind of just like repeating things in a really calm way and it's, it's a bit existential isn't it but kind <laughs> yeah. of trying to be outside of your own self almost to keep yeah. to keep yourself away from how it feels um, and then the other thing I found quite useful was doing deep breathing because it helped her and it helped me so sort of saying to her, shall we do some deep breaths together? And if she would let me hold her, then, you know, holding her close to us, whilst we did some really deep breaths. And that helps you as much as it does them. Yeah. Um, so I found that really useful.
1: That's, honestly, breathing, it can, when you say just breathe, it sounds so basic, <laughs> just breathe. Um, but it does really help. Breathing, taking nice big belly breaths, really, really helps calm our, um, helps keep us regulated and yep. the more regulated we are the more we can help regulate our smalls because a de-escalated adult cannot calm down a, a child it's absolutely impossible um, yes yeah um, it
2: is it's completely difficult yeah impossible so
1: hard, which is why being calm and confident does help um so did you do you mean when you kept out of your head did you mean that you i love a mantra by the way as well, <laughs> just saying the same thing breathing mantras sounds so basic that they all help do you mean when you said been out of your head. Do you mean that you were talking yourself through it aloud, like commentating?
2: It's really hard to describe. Um it is almost like a little bit of an out of body experience. I'm gonna sound like a right weirdo, aren't no, I? You're not. <laughs> um, but yeah, a little bit like you kind of just being really existential, away from yourself, but just repeating the calm things and um so yeah, a bit of it is narrating what's happening, but repeating those kind of mantras if I love you I'm here for you showing that you understand the emotions all of that side of things I just found that that calmed me as well as her
1: yeah I love it a a tool for two I like to call that yeah I think it does sound a bit like commentating and commentating is a really useful tool for any big boundary but again especially night weaning where you kind of narrate or commentate to your small what's happening okay I'm gonna lay here and I'm going to support you through that emotion. Or I can see you're feeling upset, cross, angry that we're not boobing or having a feed right now. That must be hard for you. Do you see what I mean, Alys? Yeah, yeah, yeah a useful tool you could apply that to when they have I'm not a fan of the word tantrums but you know when they have a big emotional meltdown or they're just having a big emotion and finding it hard commentating to be a really useful tool and yeah I think it's
2: brilliant for that isn't it say
1: what you see (laughs) yeah
2: yeah, exactly yeah I love all of that I think it's um, one that was one of the first things I read after the uh, Philippa Perry book it was a Janet Lansbury podcast or book um, and she calls it sports casting and yeah it's exactly the same approach
1: yeah I love that. I've not actually read much by her I I'm impressed that you read so much when pregnant all I want to do was <laughs> sleep, <and>
2: sleep. <laughs> I'm sure I did a good amount of that as well
1: <laughs> just wanted to add on the on the common tips that can help and um, keep you calm for anybody listening always try and meet your own needs first as well and um, this is something that I only really learn as a parent myself but we can't meet arsenals where they're at emotionally and contain that upset and tears for them when we aren't looking after ourselves first at night so if you are hungry thirsty have a snack have a drink if you need a pee or you need to have the toilet go to the toilet um get into comfy clothes again sounds super basic but these things can really help and then zoe's um tips were just to repeat them were having a mantra sports casting and just trying to just Talk it sounds like just speaking out aloud really helps your process. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay, let's talk a little bit about um the four AM, why it's so hard at four AM and what you can do um about it. Just wanna reassure you first though, because I'm always here for the reassurance, is that last part of the night is hard or harder. And lots of families really, really struggle with this as part of their weaning journey. The reason why it's harder is because we don't have biology on our side from 3am onwards, but especially 4, 5am, sleep hormones, melatonin, sleep hormone, melatonin is at its lowest. The drive, the, the sleep pressure is at its all time low as well. And we also have those wake up hormones, digestive system kicking in, Wake up windows cortisol levels are starting to rise in order to wake them up for the day as well. So it's always harder to get them back to sleep at this time of the day. Um, Again, reassurance first. If you are, I have no agenda here whatsoever. My aim is to always reassure parents, reassure you Zoe and then help you to get to where you want to get to and what ultimately is working for you rather than this one size fits all, your night has to look like this. But ultimately, if you are, your little one is waking up at 4am, she has a bit of a booty, she goes back to sleep, you go back to bed, she goes back to bed to a reasonable time, then you really don't need to change anything. And always, always here for this massive bit of reassurance, is. and I know it doesn't always seem like it when you're in it, but she will eventually drop that feed all by herself. Yes. I don't know when, <laughs> <Same> time, <I'm laughs> sorry. but she will she yeah. will. at some point it will just naturally take care of itself or what tends to happen is it will naturally get later and later and later and then just stop together. yeah um however if you did want to work on it what you could try to and i'm going to be honest it, it ties into what you were saying earlier that at night time you're always tired making changes at night time especially night weaning especially in the early hours of the morning is always really tricky because your drive to sleep is really high at night time. You just want to get back to sleep. So <laughs> yeah. Making any change, it's really, really tricky. And again, I think it's really important for parents to acknowledge that and accept that that is all part of the process. But that, those feelings are usually temporary. The time is usually temporary if we make progress. Um, so if you wanted to move forward from it, chances are it is going to be hard. Chances are there's going to be some more tears and it's going to take time. Um, but what you could try to do is just try to very slowly nudge that time a little bit later. So when she wakes at 4 a.m., you could try to get to 4.30 for two weeks. Then once, hopefully that will nudge her on. Does that make sense? So say, for example, she wakes up at four. My yeah. suggestion would be to hold out till 4.30, then give her. Yeah. A- give her the feed and then hopefully she'll start waking up at four thirty for that feed and then you could nudge it another half an hour so my approach to making any change is always make a little change or what I like to call n- a nudge then give it time so um we don't make any other changes than that we just stick with that one change for a good seven to ten days maybe even two weeks to see if it works yeah. and then we make another change or we nudge it on again
2: yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
1: But it is going to be tricky because then you kind of get in that kind of pattern or that thought process of, well, we know there's going to be tears for probably half an hour until she at that time. I might as well just be now. So it really is something that only you know whether it makes sense and it's going to work for you or whether it's worth a try.
2: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, though. And it's amazing how their routine becomes so predictable, doesn't it? Um and I really think that you're right. If we did that for two weeks it would it would nudge it back. Whereas if you carry on it it's just gonna stay at four AM and it's almost like clockwork.
1: Yeah. It's it is tricky. I I'm quite I, I'm always honest, sorry, I can never say for sure, especially because this is the first time we've actually had a proper other than on Instagram, it's the first time we've had a proper chat. So I this is completely out of context for me. I know nothing about you <laughs> so yeah. apart from like your weaning journey sounded like it really worked for you and I'm so happy to hear that um so I can't say for sure but it is likely to work if we push it like that to keep nudging it by half an hour but it yep. is going to take time to do that yeah it's so hard and for some little ones that um you can like you've nightly up until 4am she knows that there's you know boobing isn't an option but it until that time it's funny how they they know that as well like she, she will wake up before then for sure because no one sleeps a trolley um solid chunk of sleep for that long so it, it you're right how their routine can become really predictable and sometimes we can use that in our favor by nudging it does that make sense
2: it does, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I'm really interested to hear your, um, your thoughts on the longer stretches, actually, because it, I, I don't know if it's one of those things people avoid talking about a little bit, but obviously when people are night weaning and, and you see a lot of the guidance about it, and I get I get why everybody says we can't guarantee, because you can never guarantee anything that it will bring longer stretches, but anecdotally it does seem to bring such longer stretches for people, doesn't it? And certainly we've had that experience where she's now doing... 10, 11, 12. So, like, seven-hour <laughs> stretches, um, which is completely new for us since night weaning. I was really interested to hear your thoughts on why that is. And how does stressors. how do things change, yeah.
1: I think, ultimately, I always want to be realistic and honest. And, hand on heart, I never know how a small that I'm wor- – I'm going to tailor this to somebody I'm working with because I think it'll be easier – So I never know how, if I'm working with a family when I'm night weaning, I never know how they are going to respond. And I I think it's always important to acknowledge that. And nothing ever works for everybody.
2: Yes, (laughs) yeah.
1: I always, um, before I um, even consider night weaning or reducing the fees for the family, I will always go through their sleep story thoroughly to rule out any red flags is there anything Mm. that could be a barrier to them sleeping longer stretches at night time and my whole approach to night weaning is that I'm always going to be honest that it I would never ever use night weaning as a strategy to improve longer stretches of sleep because you might take that feed out of the out of them needing the actual feed but some will still need to wake up and need comfort and closeness from the parents a lot of sleep definitely does depend on so many things that we don't often talk about So things like whether your snore is high or low sleep needs I've been doing a lot of talk about that this week on Instagram because some snores are quite high um, sleep needs and are capable of doing longer stretches some are lower sleep needs and they don't need as much sleep so the stretches might be shorter as well so that's something to bear in mind temperament and personality come into sleep a lot. But again, we don't talk about it. And then also whether they some smalls just need more of everything more parent proximity, more closeness, more connection, more reassurance at nighttime, it doesn't make them clingy, it doesn't make it I know it can feel like it, but it doesn't make them any more clingy, it doesn't make them. um it's not a barrier to them being independent when they are ready. It's just where they're at in that moment. So night weaning doesn't always lead to longer stretches, but I would probably say for the families that I work with, because I get them, I will always preface night weaning as a caveat, that it doesn't necessarily help longer stretches. But for families that I'm weaning with in one-to-one, we make sure that we address absolutely everything possible so that when we do reduce, the, we move the feed out of the equation at night time, then it gives us the best chance to have longer stretches. And it does make sense if they are, you feel small is waking up to have a feed, like they're waking up just for that. I don't mean just for that feed, feeding at nighttime. It's not just feeding. It's proximity. It's closeness. It's comfort, yeah, safety, yeah. safety. It's all of those things. But if you, if they are waking up for a feed and we put that boundary in place that that's not happening, chances are if you've got all your other steps in place, they'll stop waking up because they know that that feed is not coming. Does that make sense? It does,
2: yeah. And that's really nice to hear, actually, because that just feeds back into the whole they will do it when they're ready. Oh, Um, yes, they
1: will. And that's,
2: (laughs) that's why I left it a long time with Hattie because I felt, well, firstly, the understanding was there as a toddler and her age, she just got it and she understood a lot more. But also there was no way she was ready to do that earlier so i I think yeah i think that totally makes sense if i tried to do it at a year for example while she just wasn't ready
1: yeah you ultimately know when you are ready for weaning and this we've kind of gone full circle now it comes back to weaning is such an emotive and personal subject you've got some approaches out there that say you from six months they don't need any night feeds. They're capable of sleeping through the night. I do not buy into that whatsoever. <laughs> no, neither do I. <laughs> From six months to eight months, our sleep was an utter shish it, it was the oh, worst God, yeah. it ever been. It was horrendous. Um, so I do not agree with that at all. And But on the other hand, you've got approaches out there that are saying, you know, you've got to wait until they um, naturally wean themselves at night time. You've got to wait it out. And I, I agree with, I do agree with both. There's some truth in both. For some, some things are capable of dropping their night feeds quite early on. Mm-hmm. I, I can only talk personally about my being on her, That's a very small sample. Um, but she dropped her night feeds really early on, like 11, 12 weeks. And then she was still waking up at loads at night, especially between six and eight months, um, old. It just, it wasn't just about feeds, but even yeah. now at 15 months, she was, still sometimes wake up for a feed or two at night time it feeds it's so normal for feeds to fluctuate but we have this expectation in society that once you drop night feeds that's it
0: does that make sense yeah it does yeah 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 so I,
1: mean, I, I get through
2: about probably a litre of water in the night I, I can't get, go at exactly. through the night without it so I yeah. don't expect her to
1: yeah exactly so I think there's so so much pressure to do one or the other so there's no approach is right and if Again, I'm always here the reassurance, if wasting it out is working for you, your suit is settled, sustainable, everything, you're just happy. You don't need to make any changes. And as I said to you before, Zoe, they will eventually night wean themselves without you having to do anything. I'm always going to be honest about that. Where I come into it is if, The feeds are it's not necessarily about age on my approach it's when you feel ready because for me it will always i'll always be an advocate that the parents of that child baby small toddler are the experts and if you've got to that point where you want to why i always encourage them to wait as long as possible i would always recommend not even looking at night feeds until at least and this is the very very earliest at least six and a half seven months right i wouldn't suggest night weaning until they're on three meals a day So it just doesn't make sense to look at it before then because not that i believe that feeding them getting stuffing them full during the day is going to help with the night wake up again wouldn't use that as a strategy but introducing solids can change sleep sometimes for the better sometimes not for the better so and it's such a big change anyway so it's worth doing that first before even looking at the feed um i'm here to support parents to night wean when they feel ready not because they feel that they should or that baby bob down the road is night weaning or that pressure it's because they want to do it
2: yeah yeah that's exactly it and I don't think I probably said at the beginning actually what prompted me to do it and it was very much that it's in an ideal world I would have liked to have let her carry on until she was ready but I just got really touched out and I was finding that I was waking up in the morning already touched out yeah um, and that just doesn't set you up for a good day in terms of being responsive. So it was very much recognising for me in those circumstances, I just felt like I needed to do it so that I felt a bit fresher and more able yeah. to, um, to be a better parent.
1: Yeah. And that I honestly think that is OK. I think sometimes there can be this connotation, well, I've definitely felt it, I don't know if you have, though. this connotation that if you make changes for yourself, you're somehow selfish or you're less of a responsive parent because you're leading that change it's okay to make any change you want to see with your child ever period yeah. i think um ideally we do that in a, a i'll always be an advocate that we do that in a respectful and responsive way but it is not selfish to to make a change and put in a boundary that you're not happy with
2: yeah yeah agreed sure.
1: that in itself Zoe, it's going to help so many people listening to this for sure
2: yeah i hope so it does seem to be one of the things that when i've talked about it on my instagram it's probably one of my more popular topics in terms of people I think just really appreciate an, an honest approach to it don't they of oh someone's actually talking about this and you know how it worked what they what they felt did it come with guilt and all those sorts of things and yeah I think it yep. does help
1: same 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 I think and I think that's why I wouldn't talk about night weaning for so long because every time I did there would always be oh but you know you parents should night wean at a set age or a certain age they still need night feeds, and I'm like, I'm still sharing all of that but ultimately by putting pressure on parents to do something that just isn't working for them for example getting touched out at night time or being tired and not being the parent that you want to be then it is okay to make those changes
2: yeah yeah and I hope this conversation shows that you can fully do that in a responsive way
1: yeah you can absolutely do it in a responsive way it doesn't make it any I'm always honest that night weaning is always hard work (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) with whatever approach you choose to do like temporarily you're going going to be tired it's going to take longer and you're going to get less sleep it it can be really hard work but that trade-off usually for parents of all of those things short term is usually what gets them to the place that they ideally want to be yeah yeah and I think um Whenever I talk about night weaning on Instagram, which I, honestly, I don't do it that often. But when your this podcast comes out, I will definitely be talking around it because that's what we've been talking around today. Lots of parents always message in to say that they feel so much better hearing. They felt guilty for doing it like young, younger because mm-hmm. they they should be doing it for longer. But ultimately, it is just when you feel ready to night wean. End of. Yeah, yeah. Oh sorry it's been lot I really really enjoyed our chat is there anything else you would like to add 100% this weaning chat is going to help somebody listening for sure.
2: I think so too yeah I've really enjoyed it it's been quite cathartic in a lot of ways as well.
1: Yeah it always is is there anything you want to add any last minute tips for weaning last minute tips for keeping parents calm anything you'd like to add?
2: um no probably nothing that i didn't say earlier but yeah those deep breaths are a big one use those to co-regulate with your little one is brilliant because it just works for both of you and yeah just what you said about keeping that calm is so crucial to the process because if you if you're not calm as well they're just gonna feed off that so as as hard as it is that that is so key isn't it
1: yeah so and that's why i think it's really important that parents night wean when they 100% feel ready and confident it is the best step for them because yeah. if they're if they're not feeling that it is very hard then to be confident about putting in that boundary in place and that is yeah. so crucial
2: yeah and do you know what if you start the process and you quickly realize I wasn't ready or they're not ready that's fine you can abort it That you nobody's making you continue it so yeah you I, can I change love- your mind at any point
1: yeah I absolutely love this Zoe because time and time and time again it comes up in practice that parents feel like a failure for starting something they feel like they're giving in or they're undoing something because they've started and it hasn't worked out with any boundary but especially night weaning if you try something and it doesn't work it, it it hasn't not worked because it's your fault or you're failing it's it's nine times out of ten it's a timing thing either your small wasn't quite ready you weren't quite ready. There's something, there's a barrier in um, to night weaning, like teething, they are in a learning leap. It is never, ever your fault or you're failing. And it is always okay to try something, to t- try something and then park it and try again if it doesn't work, whether that's night weaning, changing how they fall asleep at bedtime, transitioning to their own room. If you try it and you realize actually, not for me, <laughs> not for me mm-hmm. right now it is okay you're not going backwards you're not undoing anything
2: yeah yeah 100%
1: really really passionate about that and if people want to read your book find out more about you Zoe go and read your um weaning diary where can they do that where's the best place to catch you um so
2: instagram is the main place for me so it's at the respectful mum um, the book is available you can get it through the links on there but the website is www.therespectfulmum.com and it's available on amazon as well um they're the main places i'm on facebook and tiktok as well but
1: the main place is instagram really amazing and i will put all of those links in the show notes for you as well um, thank you so much no thank you so much for coming Zoe hopefully you'll come on again definitely yeah i think there's so many topics we could cover just <laughs> sit for hours so many so many Thanks so much
0: thank you so much for listening to me your host kerry secker on the carrot out sleep show i really hope you found this podcast episode reassuring informative but most importantly it helps you and your small to a more settled night's sleep the caring way if you did please don't forget to subscribe to the show below leave me some feedback or share it with a parent pal i love hearing that you love listening my next podcast episode will be available in two weeks' time. But if you really can't wait that long, please come and find me over on Instagram at Out sleep Consultant. I update my sleep squares and speak about sleep there on the daily. Big love and sleep solidarity. Until next time.